0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Five
1: twenty-four with Roger Williams, author of my favorite book, The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. Buy it or you're a terrorist. And that's just, that's a new law. A lot of people don't know. It was rushed through the Senate at midnight last night that if you don't buy Roger's book... Um, within an hour of viewing this episode, the NSA has got a whole program to see who's watching and who's not. They will actually send Dale oh, yeah. to your house and Dale will kill you. And it's um, dressed as Lawrence. So you have to buy Or those. even
2: worse, he might use something I'll talk about later.
1: Ooh. <laughs> and And uh, as I was just telling Roger, all of August has just uh, got a bunch of obligations so everything's kind of up in the air. So the regular scheduled programming of, of Dale and Roger on Sundays and Claire on Thursdays and Whatever's going on, it's all just kind of in the air right now. There's nothing wrong with the podcast. There's nothing. There's I've had some people be like, "You haven't had on Roger and Dale lately. Is there beef going on?" I'm like, "No, what? No. There's no. I just got shit going. I'm just busy. I'm like, what? You, this isn't Tupac and Biggie. There's no beef here. It's literally like, Hey, Roger, I can't make it. Okay, no. got it. So um, but uh, but yeah, on a short. I mean, you got to take care of business. You Got business, man. It's uh, on a short note. See uh, Tim Dillon made like a fake hot mic last week and he like overlaid it onto the Olympics you know it's Tim Dillon my favorite comedian Oh, and he's like and the NBC's like and the 2021 Olympics blah 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 and then he goes are we off is it off what the fuck are we doing here? Why are we doing the Olympic Games during COVID? I just talked to the, the administrator of it. Apparently, after the Olympics, they're going to be using the swimming pool as a mass grave. It's <laughs> all the shot, put, he goes, shot putters already dead. He goes, I talked to Fauci before this. Everyone you see panning around right now, 60% of them dead in 10 days. It's unbelievable. I don't even know why I'm here. Am I back on yet? Clearly, it's Tim Dillon. It has made the round to the point where, like, newspapers or websites are publishing no. things like, uh, we fact checked this. Uh, that was not actually a, a hot mic. And it's like, oh, shit, it's, it's Tim Dillon. It's a, it's a fat gay. Look it up at Snopes. It's, it's, a, it's a, in his words, I'm a fat gay cocaine addict. Like, what, what are you fact checking here? So, um, but yeah, Roger, how about you take it away? Cause I'm, talking like a moment. Right.
2: well I'm I had wrong. a couple of stories for you uh on the theme that one of the occupational hazards of being me is that sometimes you figure something out that you might have been better off not figuring out um and I have a couple of examples of that that are thematically related uh and our first comes from the 1990s uh, now my wife is an avid bird watcher and has been since before we met in the eighties. And the thing about bird watching is one of your goals is to get as, is to see as many species as possible. And there are only 9,000 species of birds in the world. So once you get above a thousand, the air gets real thin and you start having to do a lot of traveling. So in the nineties, we were doing a fair amount of traveling to Canada and Central America because they're easy to get to. And there's a lot of biodiversity in Central America and, uh, you know, she hadn't quite gotten to the point of spending the money to go to South America yet, uh, but we went to rural Mexico. Number, we were doing ecotourism, so we weren't going to the tourist hotspots. We were going to rural areas and all, which was a lot of fun. Now, I'm not big on the birds myself, but I would tag along. The birding tours would understand this. We would normally be in a group of maybe uh, ten to fifteen people sometimes as many as 20, but that gets awkward because what they want to do is bring you around to as many places as possible. The guides will show up in advance before the tour begins and scout things. They'll find out, well, this species was spotted in this backyard or in this park or in this parking lot. And they'll generally take three field trips a day, the morning, afternoon, and evening, uh, dusk, uh, to try and just cover as many areas as you can where you Of course, nothing's guaranteed because they're wild animals, but that's the general structure of these things. And every once in a while, the place you go is a residential house, because even in the 90s, they had an email and they had listservs and they had people would leave uh, notices for each other. And so they would say, well, in our backyard has been visited every day for the last two weeks by this species of hummingbird that we rarely see in our part of the world. So uh, when they saw something like that, the tour guides would call them and say uh we have a tour group of 12 people coming through would you mind if we visit your backyard and a lot of times they would say yes and so we would go and sometimes the host would serve cookies and we would sit in their backyard and watch their bird feeders and stuff so that was it was different so anyway we are in a certain central american country and we were told the afternoon stop would be at a residential house uh with an overlook of a valley so uh the terrain here was very much like the hills of southern california and you're around los angeles where you've got houses here and there it's not at all like rural you know but it's also not like suburban uh so you've got houses dotting these canyon walls and uh the hillsides and winding roads coming up and you're passing driveways and houses so it's not like you're in the middle of nowhere uh this is this is like within 10 15 miles of a major city and so we come up on this house that is At the end of a winding driveway and it's a pretty little two-story house you know nothing super unusual about it but we notice that our host has also just driven up and she tells us before we enter the house that the the house was built for one of the generals who served in the army for the last regime before the regime changed and he was deposed and the government sees the house but they can't sell it. So they came to an arrangement with the wildlife organizations to use it as wildlife observation point, because it is absolutely perfectly cited for that, as we will see. So, all right, that's sensible. So we go in the front of this house, and there's a bathroom, there's a little hallway, and we come out into this wide open den area. There's a There's a kitchen area separated by a bar very open all tiled den and that goes out onto this porch through glass doors that has this absolutely beautiful overlook of this valley whose floor is carpeted with the rainforest so we're from the on the porch of this house looking down over a rainforest that's insane so so this was this is cool. All right. Admittedly, this is not something you see every day unless you're rich and you own a house like this or a general <laughs> it was a huge house
1: or a general yeah. in a South American yeah.
2: dictatorship. Yeah. And of course, the house is made of concrete, but that's not that unusual in Central America. They make a lot of stuff out of concrete. We don't because even though it's more expensive, the alternate materials we have aren't available. So that's, you know, it's very solid structure. Uh, yeah, obviously. And uh, so we go out on the porch and start watching. And I quickly realize the birding situation for me here is Dullesville. Because this is all small stuff, little species. This is great if you're really avidly into the sport of birding. But I'm like there for the more dramatic stuff. Show me some hawks and eagles and stuff like that. And oh yeah, I'll sit around and watch what the birds are doing. But I'm not there to count 27 d- different species of songbirds. So they've already told me no one lives in this house. So I go off and figure, oh, we'll go we'll around the house. So there's a staircase along the hallway where we entered, and I go upstairs and see that there's two bedrooms upstairs. And they're furnished normally, you know, it's obvious no one has slept in these beds for a long time, but there's nothing odd about anything, except that in one of the bedrooms, the closet door is open. I didn't poke around and open it myself. Then inside this closet, there is this, there's a change of clothes there's a suit and a shirt and a pair you know hanging on a coat hanger and a pair of, a pair of shoes and a suitcase and just in this closet and it's obviously been there a while so i go okay I, that's an interesting data point so i went back downstairs and there everybody's still looking at all the songbirds and shit. And so I turn around and turn, you know, go to the kitchen. There's no food in the fridge. There's nothing there because no one's living here. Okay. Right. There's, there's like one pitcher of water in the refrigerator. (laughs) Uh, So there's a third bedroom downstairs that opens out into the den. So I go look into it. And the first thing I notice there is that the door of this interior, the interior door of this bedroom is like two inches thick, and it's solid wood. I'm going, I don't think I have ever seen an interior door in a residential house made like this before. So I poke my head in, and I see there's a bed, and there's a bed, there's a nightstand and everything, and I realized. Uh, but there's no electrical outlets around it's like there's electrical outlets in the rest of the house like a normal there's no electrical outlets in this bedroom the ceiling is 10 feet up there's a recessed light fixture there's one window it's eight feet up and i notice that the glass is wiry in force Now so i'm starting to think this is damn peculiar and i turn around inside this bedroom and i realize first that there is also no light switch and second, that there is no interior door handle. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and that was the last detail that clicked everything into place. That this had not been built as a residential house.
1: Hold on a second. <laughs> hold just a Hold on. I imagine you turn around, there's a guy in a general's outfit, like a Qaddafi outfit. And he's like... <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, 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 well, he had, they, they had, this was in the era when they don't do shit like this anymore. Okay, so I went back out onto the porch and I didn't say anything about it, but it was probably kind of obvious from the look on my face. And uh, that evening, the birding tour director pulled me aside and said, "You know, Roger, that was, that was kind of rude. You know, you know, we're guests here." And they were just trying to show us something nice. And I was just like, you said we were going to a residential house, not a black site. Yeah. I am not wired to be capable of ignoring a thing like that. Yeah. You're you're not, you're not (laughs) Uh, Dale. To this day, I wonder whose clothes those were in the upstairs bedroom closet and where the guy is. Uh because that's not a normal thing to leave in an abandoned house no and also why is it still standing if it is what it is
0: they don't give a fuck
2: what is the calculus behind this and when this thing was built now it is in a fairly residential area you know I mean, it's like like it's not like a subdivision but it's an area that's mostly residential houses that's what it's disguised as but what about the guys that built it? Yeah, you know, they had to know. You you do, you don't build a room that far out of code without having some idea why you're
1: doing it. I mean, unless the, you have right, because I mean, right, the, the Navy has has the Seabees, right, which is like their construction group. Yeah, they built JFK's bunker. Uh, right outside his Florida uh, retreat on Peanut Island, and it, it must have been something like that. It's got to be a compartmentalized yeah. military group. Maybe they came in afterwards and reinforced everything. What was no? This... It was
2: built. It was it was built that way. It, it, this was like I said. The house was made of concrete. Yeah. It would have been very difficult to retrofit in that way. They they designed that. Some architect sat down and designed this thing.
1: I mean, it might be something like, <laughs> "Hey, you're going to design this, and then if you talk about it, you're going to be its first the occupant. I mean, it might be something like that. What you said about uh, why didn't they demolish it? One of the Flak Towers in uh, Berlin, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a couple, I think there's four Flak Towers. They were the coolest buildings ever. They had like four <laughs> or five foot thick walls. Yeah. It was crazy. And there was four of them meant to defend all of uh, Berlin. And, um, and the the reason they couldn't get rid of them was because they had direct hits by uh, Allied bombs and nothing happened to them. So then they tried to demolish it in the 50s. Point is, is they kept one of them around for so long and I think it's still there. It's just a nightclub now. At a certain point, it's like, (laughs) hey, man, here's a structure. It was paid for by someone. It's standing. But it's
2: like, obviously no one is going to, like, raise a family in that house. Sure. It's like, yes, sure, kids. Who wants the downstairs bedroom? We'll promise to let you out every morning.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean... (laughs) I can only imagine. I mean, it was... You could retrofit it to have a normal
2: door, I suppose. You would have to wire it for electricity, and well, but but it's just what that was. Yeah. And also, I suspect the presence of the clothes in the upstairs closet indicates that it was used. Yeah. So it's just like there's a whole bunch of mystery there. But the the, the central thing was, you know, when I realized this isn't a house and that created a bit of friction with the the birding tour but yeah you know we've we've been to some strange places now of course that wasn't as bad as the the german birders that told us oh yeah we were touring ourselves in argentina and we ignored the do not trespass sign and ended up on a military reservation they were upset about that
1: it's uh when i had on you think when i had on sean (laughs) tiger He's a retired Marine and he was on like a game. Sh- he's on some reality show or something. The last place he was-, was like some survival show. And he was in a Marine. He was in like a secret service, uh, augmentation group, which means that like, they were kind of like in and around camp David in case. And I'm sure those are around all presidential retreats as well as like the white house. Yeah. They're not in the public eye, but there is a, there's a group of Marines somewhere ready to just wage war. And, uh, he was in that group. And, uh, he actually got walked in on by George Bush playing video games when he was supposed to be on duty. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> he said he was standing there and he just felt a pair of eyes on it. He turned turn around. And it was Bush. He's like, you went in. And he was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but uh, he was in a, he was in some reality survival show. And it was like you didn't know what location you were in. But the last one was in like it was all in South America, but like different climates. And uh, the last one is at like way down somewhere in Argentina. And he's like, Man, yeah. he's like like the show is over and I was kinda getting like brought back into society and uh 'cause he's out living in the wild and uh he was like mm-hmm. you know? He goes, it starts to strike you just how much German arch- German architecture <laughs> there is. Not German, but I mean it's not that he knew it was yeah. German. He goes, European Just really <laughs> if you didn't know where you were, if you didn't feel the heat, you might think you <laughs> were perhaps in Austria and he goes, yeah. Oh, Oh, <laughs> okay. And they were like, yeah, there's a lot of European influence yeah, that's here. That's he another good like, example. He was like, yeah, I bet there is. Bet there is.
2: <laughs> so, okay, so
1: that was a,
2: a, a brush with something I probably didn't need to know. So uh, our other thing will be the uh, how electrical torture was developed in the Americas. So uh, when Pinochet came to power in Chile. The uh, they decided. Well, you know, of course, the the third degree, as practiced by the Nazis and everyone else back to the Romans, uh, the w- one thing about it is it's a lot of work. It it's work to beat the snot out of somebody, and if you are pra- planning to stage a reign of terror and torture thousands of people, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So they apparently decided, uh, just like as part of their plan for taking power and instituting their reign of terror that they were going to use electricity to torture people. And uh, specifically, their cool plan was to use cattle prods. That's, you know, they're readily available farm tool, okay. Uh, The first site that they converted into a black site was apparently an abandoned naval hospital. And they had all these abandoned beds lying around, they had bed frames but no mattresses and so they discovered that it was really convenient to spread eagle someone naked on one of these bed frames because they conduct electricity and torture them with electricity that just worked out really well and they came to call this arrangement the perilla which is the spanish word for bill for grill like a barbecue grill and they called it that because when they were doing this to you you felt like the meat on a barbecue grill So that word has persisted through the years. That was pretty much invented by the Chileans. And they uh, quickly realized that the cattle prod uh, is not optimal for that use case. It has two problems. The first is it's battery-powered. Because, of course, the people who design cattle prods expect you to be standing in a field next to a cow when you use them. And there probably isn't an electrical outlet anywhere nearby. <laughs> but in the black site, you have electricity. So you're feeding these things batteries. And you're also probably leaning on the trigger in a way Farmer McDonald is not when he's just trying to get the cow to move along. Yeah. So I imagine they were batter- buying batteries in bulk. And that becomes old the other thing is if you ever looked at a cattle prod they generally have this like wide spade like tip with two prongs and that's because electricity flows in the circuit so you need two points of contact Hmm. in order to have a circuit between the two of them well in a cattle prod those points of contact are right next to one another and so you get a little bright spot of pain where you're being touched with the thing and that's that the torturers got to thinking it would be way more effective to apply the two points of contact at more distant parts of the person's body so you could run the electricity along the circuit and you know, maybe have some more interesting effects and have two points where the pain is being applied. And that just wasn't cutting it for. Them. So they started using uh, line cords. They basically used wall current to torture people. That way you can get much more creative because you have two wires, which you can attach to someone's body anywhere. One point of contact almost always being the genitals. They they figured that out real quick. And a lot of times it would be that and a handheld wand, and they would just explore your body with the other contact while asking you the questions. The problem with that is that it is, really easy to accidentally kill the poor sap you're working on with what with line current so the Chileans actually finally got to the point where they would like regularly have a doctor available just in case and they had to try to revive you or something you gotta wonder what that does to that poor guy's Hippocratic oath
1: Hippocratic suggestion
2: uh, <laughs> so uh so anyway next door in Argentina uh they were a little more circumspect and they they decided that this accidentally killing people stuff was not the way that they wanted to do it. Uh, In fact, they actually got into this a little earlier than the Chileans did, but they didn't have the metal frame bed thing until they got that from the Chileans. But uh, what they did yet was using wide wall current was just, uh, they they, they didn't want to accidentally kill you. They wanted to make that decision deliberately when they were done with you, but they didn't want to do it accidentally. So they came up with this box that ends up being called the Picana Electrica. The cattle prod is called a picana. That's the Spanish word for cattle prod. And they came to call the line cords picana. Well, the box that sits on a table next to the perilla, which you see in all these movies that show people being tortured, right? It's a tro- it's a trope. It's been like this since 1970, you know, this is, this is, this is how someone gets tortured in a black site torture chamber with electricity. And so there's a box on the table that is plugged into the wall and you are plugged into the box and the box makes electricity that hurts like hell, but doesn't kill you, which is fine and dandy. But the thing that I always wondered about this is where does the box come from? Who makes these things?
0: Hmm.
2: Who invented them? When you decide, when you decide I need one for my new black site, is there like a Picanas R Us store somewhere? Is there a guy that has a side vocation making them and all these governments know about him? So they, they send them a little note when they need one. Is there a specification? I mean, where did it just like, where did all where did it fucking come from? So I've, had that question in the back of my mind for years, because this is a trope that you see in every movie where someone is tortured with electricity. There's the box with the wires coming out of it. Now, we know about field dynamos and magnetos and stuff like that, you know, there's like people, people have been using those for, you know, since the 30s. But no, this is a thing that plugs in the wall, and makes high voltage. And that's, it, where, you know, where where does this come from? So. A few weeks ago, I was reading a monograph, and that you know was a summary of the history of electrical torture in the Americas. Just light reading, you know, and uh, it had new information. There was a line in there that said that uh, there was a document. You, you got to love people who document their war crimes. Okay, there was a document that said that the early perillas put out 12 to 16,000 volts DC at 1,000th of an ampere. And when I read that, the whole world stopped. In that moment, I knew everything. I knew how it was invented. I knew how it was made. I knew how the knowledge to make it was disseminated. I knew why it worked so well. And I knew how to make one. Because There is actually a consumer device that has a power supply with that
0: Specification.
2: it is the high voltage supply for the cathode ray tube of a black and white television set oh shit (laughs) and it's not even an optimum voltage for torturing people because it's too high but it works it's going to the, the fact that it's current limited makes it safe and the fact that your body's electrical resistance is really a bit low for it just means it's going to suck the voltage down to a little more reasonable level when you apply it to somebody. But it's very easy to source. Once you've had the idea, it's easy to make the first one. I, I, I haven't decided in my mind whether, whether my head cannon is that the first one was made by a supervisor who was tired of killing people or by a schmuck who was trying to impress his boss by not killing people. But at some point, someone made the first one, and they tried it out, and it was like, "Damn, this works good." Well, once you know that, all you know, all you need to know is you get a black and white TV set and gut it. You don't need the picture tube or the speaker or the tuner. Or, you know, you just take the chassis, build a wooden box around it, take the fat wire that went to the cathode ray tube and the ground lug, and put banana jacks on them. And boom, you don't have to know much about electronics, or, you know, or even electricity to, to make one. And it's something, I just told you how to make one. If you're telling your buddy in the next country over who's, junta is getting ready to set up their own shop, that's all you need to tell them, oh yeah, this is what we did. And if you need one, you just find whoever is among your goons is most handy at building shit and shop, and tell them, this is what I need you to do. You get a TV set, take it apart, gut it, put the chassis in a wooden box, build me a wooden box around it. And I'll, and, and boom, that's what we'll do. And that's the secret of the Picana Electrica.
1: That's insane. <laughs> yeah. You got to imagine though, that like, you probably wouldn't go into that much detail if you're like kind of in the field, right? That's something where, again, it seems like it's more of like a, a streamlined, right? You've got the black side. It's not it's not Dale on a Delta mission and they've captured someone and you're yeah. in the middle of the woods like something like that. You probably start chopping off fingers or something. But like, yeah, no. you, yeah. Well, it's like you're stuff. doing
2: it. to you, You're doing it to hundreds of people. You don't necessarily want to leave evidence by leaving burn marks or, uh-huh. or wounds or anything like that. and You don't want to be accidentally killing them in case you decide to do the catch and release thing or you decide you're done with them and now we'll send them on the death flight out over the Pacific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but you don't want to just have the guy come to you and say, yeah, duh, sorry boss, but he didn't, he never, he never cracked. And then he croaked it's yeah. like that. That's just not professional. Right. So it's just a superior tool and it's a, and it's a hack, but it's obviously something that persisted over across a couple of decades because it worked so well. And that just blew me away. It was like, you know, and, and one thing, it's like in the movies, they'll have the, the intensity dial. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't have had that because that's not the way it works. And that's what the thing said. The specification was this is the voltage. You're, you're not going to have a dial there. You don't need one. Your intensity thing is how long you hold the damn prod in place.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, so this was like, damn. I'm, I'm not sure that I needed to know that. <laughs> but now you do. It's, man, you got – I can't even monetize it because I just, you know, it's like, it's like if, if if some government black site operator comes to me and says, Roger, we heard you know how to build a Picada Electric. It's like, yeah, all you got to do is find an old black and white TV and gut it and take the wires and put them on banana jacks. And there you are.
1: You don't even need me. Welcome to Tommy's podcast. The more you know. It's Do you have dissidents who won't give up the goods? Yes. And I even have show and tell. Oh, Jesus.
2: In the vacuum tube presentation, remember I told you that vacuum tubes proliferated like Darwin's finches when television came along and they were special purpose ones. Okay. This is the high voltage rectifier from a black and white television set. If you notice how big the internal electrodes are and how far they are apart, That's because this thing was designed to rectify 15,000 volts AC and turn it back into DC. Now, if it was from a color set, it would be even bigger. This is from a black and white set. Color sets use 30,000 volts, but you don't need that upgrade. It's already too much voltage. Uh, And of course, this cap up here is way as far away as you can get from the other business end stuff. Because there's fifteen thousand volts between these two points,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but if you were hooked up to the Picana Electrica, this is the last point the voltage would come from before they connect it the, to you. Jesus! <laughs> so that's that's where the voltage comes from in the Picana Electrica. Jesus Christ! Isn't that banal? What? It's what? like you have this fully horrible thing but yet it comes down to things like gutted tv sets and vacuum tubes well i mean yeah you know, someone has to make this thing
1: <laughs> well i mean it's really it's it's kind of right the timeless tale of man it's ingenuity it's it's the choice right we, we you know the metal age the bronze age are you making really good plowshares or are you making swords right are you yeah. making a bombs yeah. or nuclear power uh, uh facilities Yeah, and and people can get used to just
2: about anything that was uh, one of the things i ran across uh going down this rabbit hole is an uh a chilean movie um called garage Olimpo. it translates as olympic garage in english but it's actually never been subtitled or uh dubbed in english Uh, but it is actually it was written and produced by someone who was a prisoner in one of these chilean black sites under pinochet and he was a, he, he he believes he was released because his uh, one of his parents was French, so he had a French passport as well as an Argentine passport, and so they just let him go. But uh, so there's this movie that's set in one of these torture sites, and it's also about kind of the banality of some of the stuff that goes on. And it's like you've got these guys, the the main the two main characters or a man and a woman who live in the same building at the beginning of the movie. But uh, in the course of the the movie, it turns out that he is one of the torturers at the black site and she is captured by the government and sent to the black site. And his supervisor assigns him to torture her to get her story. They think that she is a, one of the dissidents and uh, it's, it's, it's a little hard to understand some of the stuff that's going on, but the problem is he has affection for her because, she, you know, he's kind of had a crush on her because they were living in the same building and he saw her every day, and, and uh, it don't work out.
1: <laughs> it's like the story of that, uh, I think it was the Sonder Commando, and it was the Jews that helped uh, offload the bodies from the gas chambers, and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the Jewish people called them, like, rat Jews because – but in defense of the Sonder Commandos, they were like, dude, if I, I either pull out the bodies or I'm going in there as one. Yeah. It's kind of like it's, it's yeah. very easy to judge 75 years they also
2: they also, uh, they also used a lot of the homosexuals
0: for that.
1: Yeah. So, that was... yeah. And one of the things that the Sonder Commandos had to do is they'd go in afterwards with a, with a hammer and pliers. Just break out the teeth. And... Take out the golden teeth. And uh, that's what you had to just go into these these groups of. I mean, still warm, and and they still ended up in the chamber
2: themselves regularly because they need they too did much. Too much,
1: yeah. And uh, well, one of the guys did survive, and he I watched an interview. You I mean you know he's probably dead now? I think I watched this in like the mid two thousands, but he was in his like nineties then, and he talked about just how much like your brain just starts to develop like a callus, really to like protect you. It's just like you just disassociate and zone mm-hmm. out when you're doing the unthinkable. And he goes, I realized how much it had, it had worn on me when one day I was banging out the teeth and I realized it was my wife and I didn't even think twice yeah. of it. I just I've went, seen that story. Yeah, I, yeah. He, he just kind of looked at it and just went like, huh. And then went to the next one. And it's like, <sighs> <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah, it, it's, uh, you think people did this? The, uh, the other charming thing that Chileans did, and the way the the uh, Garage Limpo ends, is uh, when they were done with you and uh, didn't want to either set you free to spread the story of how terrible it would be to be on their bad side. Uh, about once a week, they would take an airplane and mm-hmm. they would pump you so full of phenobarbital that you were insensible and couldn't resist. Strip you naked, create a pile of bodies in the back of an airplane with cargo door. Fly out about fifty miles over the Pacific Ocean and dump everyone naked into the ocean, uh, alive, because it's more horrible that way. And yeah, you and yes, you just wondering about the you know the people that the movie actually tried to do that and portray how these people got that way. You know, it was you know they're they're doing these things, and then even when they are confronted with a moment of human emotion, they almost don't know what to do with it. Mm. Uh, there was that, yeah, you know, that 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 little five second period when all of the strands connected in my brain, and I realized this is how they made these stupid boxes that to torture people with. I mean, had it turns out
1: to be so simple. I mean, you see how quickly, right? I mean, you look back, and you know, you look back at something like the Inquisition, and you're like, oh, how did they do that? Versus you look at something like TV, you're like, oh, I sure, I get it. Like, I I see how it works. And it starts to become more relative and more believable. I mean...
2: Not... Well, the, th- the thing, too, about, like, in the Inquisition is that the torture devices that they were using were expensive and not very slow. This, is, this was like turning torture into an industrial operation where it was streamlined mm-hmm. so that you could uh, deal with the maximum number of customers. And... You know, get the maximum effect with the minimum of effort. Yeah. Uh, the whole idea of using electricity in the first place yeah came from that.
1: Um, yeah, it's so it's not <laughs> and not to not to beat a dead horse because we've done this a trillion times but you know just when you learned like the relative ease of this stuff, like you said, you know going to that house and you go oh it's a house right hey, strip a naval hospital. Yeah, you see just how close it is in the rearview mirror and how it's mm-hmm. always just right there it can happen again and you know it's it's the pearl clutching but yeah. you see me always go with it 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 always starts it always starts with censorship that's where it begins every single time and it just it won't happen yep. just creeps along just creeps along yeah, our leaps. Yeah, it's you sent you sent me that you said Sky News Australia or what what is it Australia Sky News?
2: Yeah, they got they got banned. Why? It only lasted a couple of hours. They're a major oh. network.
0: Oh,
2: it's they're a major national news network, and they got their I forget which one I think it was their Twitter account banned. And and then there was a howl of outrage, and they got reinstated. But they were like, "What the hell?"
1: Yeah, man. No one gives a shit until it, was, it happens to you. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a creepy downward slope. It's uh, they've been removing more of my videos during this suspension. They've been removing the little thirty second videos I put up. You know, the ones where I'm like, "Hey, I can't post this Yeah. On They've been removing those and I've been getting emails saying because I was like, did I say anything in the thirty they're now claiming that Rumble and BitChute and Odyssey are misinformation sites and that I can't link to those. If you don't feel okay. the bear trap, just all right, are cranking it, just all uh, right. It starts with yeah, one well, thing, it starts with
2: well, like, like I said too, it's like when I was uh following this little rabbit hole about the Pacana. Uh I didn't use Google. I don't even know what they would try to sell me after I put those search terms through it. Jesus Christ! So, so it was more like the Duck Duck Go rabbit hole.
1: That is true. Yeah, man, it gets it gets it gets creepy. It gets really fucking creepy. Tomorrow, I'm I'm having. It won't spoil it because it's not. This isn't gonna be on YouTube. Tomorrow, I'm having on Peter McCullough, Doctor Peter McCullough, the most published cardiologist in world history. He's alive and practicing. It's so it's like a, wow. It's like Tom Brady. You've, if you learn about Tom Brady, oh, he's the best ever. And it's like, get this, he's still playing. You can watch him. Like it's, mm-hmm. he's the most published cardiologist in world history, and uh, he testified before the Senate back in like March or something, um, and about uh, about the suppression of uh, of therapies. In addition, he's ta- he takes a he's got the most unique stance of take I've seen before. He's all about take the vaccine, but also use, you know, for older age groups, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. And his interview or his, sorry, his testimony at the U.S. Senate has been removed from YouTube. Which is just. What? The most published cardiologist in world history. That's nuts. He is the authority. Senate Testimony. Senate testimony. I mean, I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just him there. That's, you know, that's The, big, the wood, big wooden table and it's, you know, you got the flag behind him and you yeah. see the – and they're like, you know, and you know, exhibit – or, you know, expert witness for uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. and He's like, hello. Thank you all for having me. Yeah. Iced for medical misinformation. That That's nuts. Yeah. Man, you got to think though, right? Because you look well, – well, it goes it goes back to the, the observation
2: I made in the comment that they shadow banned, was which is that this wouldn't be so much of a problem, if you didn't have so few sites being the entire ecosystem mm-hmm. and being opaque about their true motives, because mm-hmm. they want conservative eyeballs and they want liberal eyeballs and they want uh, libertarian eyeballs and they don't want to piss anyone off too much but they don't want the government doing anything that also denies them eyeballs Mm -hmm. and so the only thing that woke them up about this is that they were afraid that they were going to start to get limited because they were promulgating this information so that's why they got so strict about it and that i don't think it's completely fair to them to say that they're those com- the companies are doing it because they're being evil. They're doing it because they're companies, and it's the government that has told them if you don't do something about this misinformation, then we're going to do something about you not doing something about it. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be such a big deal if it was split up more and if it was sites like Daily Coast and Democratic Underground on the left. And Free Republic on the right and, uh, you know, the more extreme ones where they go. And everyone knows then what you're getting into when you go to one of these sites. And so then it's like, okay, you know, if you go to Free Republic and you say something nice about Joe Biden, your account's going to get deleted. Yeah,
0: that's
2: just, you know, uh, they all have their their little own things, but it doesn't matter so much because they're self-selecting and so they're not like the only source of information for a whole general population and they're not giving any particular weird thing that they give a platform the cachet of being promulgated by such a large, influential, respected platform. But you put the same information on Twitter that you put on Free Republic, and all of a sudden, a lot of people who wouldn't have even seen it think, maybe I should take this seriously. Yeah. So it's become, a, and, and, and it really wasn't even a problem 10, 10 or 12 years ago. In in those days, the big platforms we have now were not as dominant as they are. There was a rich ecosystem of alternatives, and Almost all of those had been have been absorbed now. I mean the the number of people who uh, no longer have a blog now they just have a Facebook account
0: yeah.
2: You know, yeah, the, who, yeah who no longer have their personal website they just have a Facebook account. they just do Twitter. How can you fucking just do Twitter? I mean I would I regularly wrote five and ten thousand word articles for corrosion. yeah That was the whole point of be, you know, of, 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 of doing was to do something thoughtful and considered. How am I supposed to take something seriously that limits you to 140 characters? That's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. And and even now you have people. So now now the bit now the form of art for that is the chain of twitters. You're, you know the because because you can't fit everything you want to say in one tweet. So they'll so there's actually external websites from Twitter that link li- exist to link all of the tweets together so you can conveniently read them. Yeah. But it- the you know. And, and i understand the, the idea behind microblogging was you could do it from your phone yeah uh, but it was that why would i want to do anything like that from my phone when i have a computer that's just now that, that that's me being old fuddy duddy roger i guess but uh to me it's just, it's miserable trying to leave a coherent thought off my phone
0: if i'm just mm-hmm.
2: doing this is like why would i want to do that if i'm within you know i can wait an hour and a half and just do it on my computer with a heat with actual keyboard yeah Uh, and bandwidth and stuff and stuff like that you know uh, but you know and then facebook exists to catalog uh, all of your action activities so they can sell you shit Mm -hmm. uh you know it's it's like you know google dropped the word don't from their motto in the late aughts, you know, when they realized they were an advertising company, and boy, did they start to act like it. So, not one of these companies has a noble bone in its body anymore, if they ever did. I mean, well, I mean, let's face it, Facebook started as a site for guys to, to rate girls' looks.
1: Yeah. and. Let's so. be honest. That's what it still is. It's just masquerades as an advertising <laughs> ground now. Let's be completely honest, Roger. It's, fuck it. They have not. They've, yeah. They have stayed true to their founding. Yeah.
2: The, the only one that was good There was a period of time when Google actually seemed to have a noble upper purpose.
0: Oh, yeah. No, and early yeah, the, their Their purpose was... To
2: yeah and and you know their motto was don't be evil their purpose was to make the entire internet accessible and catalog it for people so you could find what you needed and then in the late aughts it's like you know they, they were struggling to monetize that and they realized at some point we are an advertising company that's what search is yeah. search is what you know it search is about bringing uh eyeballs to impressions and we need to monetize that because that's what we do and now the typical Google search result page is more ads than it is actual search
1: results it's fucking horrible yeah you can't you want to read about something or like I'm looking for like a new type of light for the podcast and it's just you see everything you're like just tell me the tell me the goddamn yeah yeah, no it's and like you said and I I do agree with you I perhaps and who, who knows perhaps we're both being naive but I tend to agree with you to where it's I think the bottom line is they're looking for money. Like, I don't think it's a sexy thing. Just like I've talked yeah. about before, like, how come they, how come things like ivermectin are suppressed? I'm like, I think Big Pharma's making money handover. It's always sexy to think that this is some grand Illuminati. Pl- the reality is, is like, yo, we're making money hand over fucking fist. That's what it's always been. That's what it's always mm-hmm. the dawn of time. And I tend to agree with you. I do think that the suppression of this or that is because, as Tim Dillon said, he goes, you know, if you got advertisers on your company, let's say one of them's Mastercard, but you've got a your YouTube and one of your bigger channels is a, a QAnon page saying that Michelle Obama has a cock and she eats children. Mastercard, maybe they're not, maybe they're not paying as much for an advertisement. And he goes, Google execs are yeah. going, get rid of that. And, he, and as he and he goes, and the danger is, is when the government starts putting their hand in the glove of private company and going, well, it's a private company. They're doing yeah. what, the- that's where the danger comes in. And that's what leads to the well, you know, electrocuting. And, and,
2: and the- really one thing, I will, one thing I will also say in defense of the government in this case is that the pandemic has created a perfect storm of clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. And it is a legitimate function of the government to manage something like a mm-hmm. pandemic because business isn't and the free market are not going to do that just like they are not going to build sewers they are not going to electrify every small town there are things the government does need to regulate and does need to either do itself or force those businesses that want to do the more lucrative business to also do the less lucrative business so that everybody can be served and so that we don't have sewage running in the streets and so that you know we don't have people uh using candles uh lighting and shit like that uh and medical stuff is one of those things a pandemic is one of those things and part of the problem is that the whole thing was botched so badly at the outset both by international forces and by the previous administration and uh you know the experts kind of tried to pretend that trump wasn't being a complete dick about it but all trump wanted to do is pretend it wasn't the real and it was going to go away and when it didn't cooperate with him we all got screwed um which the so in a way the government is now overreacting to the negative consequences of things that happened before the current people came to power and started to take control of the situation And they're trying to get a handle on something that had spun out of control because the current people in power didn't politicize everything. They inherited that situation. Mm -hmm. So they inherited this country where you've got really fanatic people saying, don't get the vaccine. Yeah. In fact, they were like trying to take credit for the vaccine before it existed and then saying, don't take the vaccine because. If it works, it'll make this administration look too good.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, now, now that now that it's changed, it's like, yeah, yeah. If you but but the problem is that the, the propaganda got put in place, was effective, and now even the people who did it, who have decided they want to undo it, are finding out that they can't. The Republican Party itself is starting to turn around and finding out that they did that job too well of basically getting their people used to unreality and and, and all of these myths and shit. And they can't walk it back.
0: Yeah.
2: Because that's one of the ways propaganda works. Yeah. Once once you create that mental block, removing it is a lot more difficult than making it was. So that's one of the reasons that they are landing like a ton of bricks on anything that is distracting from what we need to do now is get everyone vaccinated. It's not perfect. It's not 100% 100 safe. But it's the best thing we've got in the shortest amount of time that we have right now that we know has that effectiveness. And they're basically going anything that distracts from that is now they're going to classify it as misinformation, even if there's evidence for it, because what they've got to do is pound it in that this has to be done. Um, And, you know, I've got a couple of co-workers who had COVID last year and got fully vaccinated and got it again. Hello, Delta variant. So uh, the problem is that the more you don't get it done, with the vaccine, the more you're going to get variants that risk having different characteristics and maybe the vaccine won't work on them as well and it will be a bigger problem. If we had just gotten everyone vaccinated in time, we would have had herd immunity and the rest of it would be manageable. Right now, I had to listen to the radio driving home saying, starting tomorrow, we have a mask mandate in Louisiana again because our hospitals are filling up. And the hospitals in the parish where I live are almost completely full, which means if I have another heart attack, you know, if I have a heart attack, I'm screwed,
0: mm-hmm.
2: even if I don't get COVID, because there won't be a room for me. Yeah. So that's what causes even more people to die, and it's what's causing people to freak out. And when it happened the first time, they were able to kind of bulldoze it through that we have to take these precautions, whether you like them or not. Mm-hmm. But now mm-hmm. they've relaxed those precautions, and getting people to go back to that is going to be harder than getting them to do it in the first place it was. It's not novel and exotic anymore. Sure. It's just tiring and bullshit. Uh, well, you know, I they're... think
1: even Jen Saki said – that's her first name, right, Jen? Yeah. I think she said yesterday or the day before that the, they won't be enacting new – national lockdowns. And I think it's probably in light of that. It's like you know, it's it's you, they can't afford to politically. Yeah, you know, you're right. And you you dismiss the class. You can't say, "Oh, wait, there's five more minutes left when half the kids are already on the yeah. playground." It's like you no, know, it's look yeah. it's and, and it's which is why I've I've made a concerted effort to stop talking about it myself and instead have on doctors to do it because even right now, everything I'm like, yeah. I I have to withhold my own comments because I don't know. And again, I'm healthy. I'm 30. But the, the problem you got, Tommy, is, is
2: if they're deleting testimony that was given before Congress. Well,
1: and that's and see, that's my then, concern is, is. And
2: I don't even care who did that. I don't care whose testimony it was. It can be Bugs Bunny's testimony. If you had somebody that testified under oath before Congress, that's a public record.
1: Well, you and what? you and you see that and that's the dangerous precedent. And, I, and hey, man, I agree with you. I mean, you probably look at it. Let's. I mean, they did inherit the situation. You don't have to like Biden. The reality is, is he did inherit the situation, much like Obama inherited the financial crisis. He inherited it, right? Bush, you don't have to like him. What a shitty first hundred days. Whether a hundred days? What a shitty first six months. You walk <laughs> in 9 nine eleven, right? I mean, you got to. You know, yeah. these people can be sure. Maybe you think they're demons from hell. I don't care. You got to also admit who's inheriting what, right? So. I'm with you on that and that maybe you look at it and you go, yo, it's going to be unpopular. We're going to squash all misinformation. We got to get everyone vaccinated because first and foremost, we have to make sure, you know, not everyone dies. Sure. I see that. The problem yeah. is, is, is with every good intention like that, there is going to be a... There's going to be a, a, a snake in the grass, right? I mean, you have... Oh, absolutely. Right? You have you have Reiki yeah. come in and go, we're going to fucking stop the Cold War. You have Bush going, it's post-9-11. We're approving everything. That doesn't... Sure, maybe his intentions are great. Maybe he fucking did it. I don't know, him and Cheney. But you're going to have defense contractors, <laughs> right? Who are... A lot yeah. of which are probably guys like you and I that are just like, fuck yeah, let's ramp up production. We got to defend this. you goddamn right there are some guys in there that are going jack up the price jack up the price baby and that's the problem is whenever you develop that um, right you develop this post 9-11 surveillance system and as you've talked about before the usa patriot act well then eight years later you end up squashing intersex and going or insects you start going (laughs) wait wait, wait, how the fuck did this happen and it's because you have to you almost have to develop something that you know it's like engineers idiot proof things you almost kind of have to look at like government and go look you can go in there with the best of intentions. Can you evil prove yeah. it? And that's the problem is you have on Dr. Oh, Peter and, McCullough, who's got more yeah. publications than any cardiologist in world history, giving a Senate testimony, not even bashing the vaccines, saying that we should be doing things. His dad had COVID. He and his wife survived mm-hmm. COVID. His dad almost died. When you have that being removed, well, then all of a sudden you start going Oh, yes. On.
2: It's definitely out of control. And the, I, mean, yeah, I understand why they're doing it but you're also right that the fact that they're doing it is terrible i mean it and there's going to be some, bad consequences some to that going
1: to take it and run with it what happens when a trump yeah. gets in office what happens when you get trump 2.0 mm-hmm. what happens when trump 2.0 comes in and goes uh anything anything that is in favor of uh, uh undocumented immigrants misinformation mm-hmm. but that system has yeah, now it's a terrible pl- precedent but that's what i mean is that system now gets in place to where to where you know you can see it right 2025 you make an Instagram post And you go you know my grandparents were immigrants My parents were immigrants like We need to be letting him in there And you get a little triangle with an exclamation point That says this has been marked by This, this has been labeled as misinformation and removed mm-hmm. Here's fact, independent fact checkers Say different And then you click on independent fact checkers And you're like this looks an awful lot like it's from the Trump organization And then you go How the fuck did this get into place And it's like hey man five years ago you were cheering it To me, it's, it's a, it's a, but then again, I also get it, right? 600,000 Americans dead. That's not nothing.
2: No, it's,
1: it's, it's (laughs) it's more, it's more U.S. deaths. It's more deaths than any U.S. war second only to the civil war. But that was kind of that kind of skewed the statistics because every kill was a death. Right. So.
2: Well, I got, I got into an argument with a guy late last year and the lunch counter and you know, he was saying, no one can prove that COVID killed anybody. And I said, well, if you look at the baseline death rate in the United States or in any of the states where, you know, it was, there's a normal number of people that die, it changes very little from year to year. Sure. But this year, it's much higher everywhere. And that difference, the only thing that has changed is COVID. So it is completely reasonable to put that... Actually, uh, Roger,
1: it's QAnon. They're eating the kids. All right? Get yeah. your head out of the sand. Rich. But anyway, so yeah.
2: I told the guy that, and he's like, you... You can't you can't assume that. And I was just like it's statistics 101. People assume stuff like that all the time. It's how we learn how the damn world works.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man, and I th- you, I think you said it best just a minute ago. The the worst part is is like I completely see and understand both sides of it. Yeah. It's damned if you do, damned if you but, don't. It's we need the Patriot Act because if there's another 9/11 on my hands, you know, then I deserve to be hung if I let another two towers fall. So we got to have this. And then the other side's, And then you got Snowden, who's blowing the whistle. And he's going, they have all this. And it's to prosecute political uh, opponents. And you're like, well, what the fuck is this? And then, you know, it's a bit if the government, you know, we're all, hey, they're waterboarding in Guantanamo. Fuck them. But the reality is, if they didn't do that and we found out that they should have done that. And now we're going, how many more people are going to jump from Scott? And it's just like, you know, does it take another 600,000 deaths before we go? fuck why didn't someone just lay the dick down and say no that's misinformation but then five years from now you got some republican president who's fact-checking uh maybe from now on oh you posted a video of a body cam of george floyd being shot misinformation you are now putting uh, law enforcement officers into the direct line of violence Mm -hmm. it almost it almost feels like it's being intentional it almost feels like we're being gaslit it almost feels like there's a divide and conquer. Maybe that's my tinfoil hat minded mind, but man, it almost feels well, like it almost feels like we're being served up things on both sides where you're like, I get both of it. What's the purpose of it? Is it is the purpose to divide? Or am I am I painting an organized face on something that is actually well, an emergency? A lot moment? a
2: lot of this started and, and the thing is the the mistake with thinking it's both sides is is it really isn't. And a lot of this started with Newt Gingrich and his very deliberate decision to not do his job as a way well, yeah. of consolidating uh, power. And after him, uh, Republican leaders in both houses of Congress have gotten progressively more evil about using procedural tricks to do things that no one ever intended when the rules were written up to Mitch McConnell denying Obama a a Supreme Court justice nomination. And Obama made an extremely reasonable one from the standpoint of bipartisanship, too. Merrick Garland would have been a fine Supreme Court justice. I don't think anyone on either side would have had a problem with him. Uh, But this was just McConnell being a dick. And the system doesn't have a way to deal with people who don't believe in it, pulling its levers. Now, a lot of this goes to, as I've occasionally said, we are running democracy 1.0 with no patches. Other countries have come along and come up with better solutions to some of this stuff a parliamentarian system assures that your minor parties like the Greens mm-hmm. uh, can actually have a say because one of the other parties may need them to fall in and help them make a coalition that can rule.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: you get more interplay. You don't get this uh, when we get 51 votes in the Senate, fuck you, you can't do anything attitude that yeah. seems to be the deal now.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so the you know you, you, the, the problem is that the number of people like that have increased. And it honestly, I realize that I will sound partisan when I say that, but I don't think it's on both sides. I think it has almost all been on the Republican side. And the problem is because the Republican Party has never actually been a coherent unit. It's always been the one thing the Republican Party has always been since its formation, since the days of Abe Lincoln, has been the party of wealthy business interests, because it was originally the wealthy business interests that didn't want the union to fall apart,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and they started to realize in the mid twentieth century that there were not enough people who were going to vote for the monopoly, big, you know, uh, rich guy know from the monopoly game and so they had to come up with a way to attract more voters and the way they did that was coming to the south and appealing to racism and that was the southern strategy and it worked for quite a while but now it's starting to fail because of demographics and the people who've been depending on it since the 1960s are shitting their pants and that is why they are actually considering things like dismantling The system. This is why you have people who were actually hoping that the whole thing would fall apart at this transition of power and that Trump would make that happen. And Trump thought it would happen. Now, on the left, you see people breathlessly saying, we got lucky. Oh, my God, it was a close thing. It might have been a close thing. There were people that helped a lot in really critical things who didn't do things Trump expected them to do. But the big thing was when he felt out the Joint Chiefs and the military commanders about whether the military would go along with him, they told him to pound sand, that they would not. And he he has support in the military, but it's not the top. And that means he doesn't have the military. And I suspect the dynamic there... And this is another thing where Trump always overreaches. I mean, he, he doesn't understand the limits of his own influence and the resource his own resources this is how he drove his original casino empire into the ground it's how so many of his business uh interests have failed over the years and he just respins it into oh bankruptcy brilliant use of the financial laws as they exist no you went bankrupt yeah. your business failed yeah. you fucking mismanaged it because you had no idea what the market could bear and you spent too much money uh, It's like a twelve-year-old could have told that Atlantic City casino market was not going to support the construction costs of the Taj. Okay, so he's doing the same thing, but he should have known when he didn't have when when he found out the military didn't have his back that it was it was bad. You know that there was no way it was ever going to succeed. And the thing about that is he should have known after the whole dopes and babies rant that he gave the Joint Chiefs in the tank back at the beginning Mm -hmm. of his. administration that those people were never going to go with him he called them dopes and babies and said they couldn't possibly win a war because they didn't know anything because they were trying to tell him how modern international relations work and he was telling them they're stupid wait you know these people should be paying us for our troops being in their country and he's like and they're trying to tell him no these troops have been in their country for 50 years because it's in our interest for them not to go over to the other side So, you know, there's all these complicated things and he has no comprehension of stuff like that. So, you know, so these people after that, they're not going to back his coup.
1: Yeah, there's no way read any amount on JFK (laughs) and the one thing you'll realize that for better or worse, if the Joint Chiefs aren't on your side, you're losing a fight. You know, if if you're in if you're in West Side Story. And you're snapping and going to fight, but your boys aren't snapping behind you. well, then you're just a barking dog at the front. best case scenario, yeah. you lose support like trump worst case scenario you get a lobotomy, an unconventional lobotomy like j f k it's it's in that and I've said that before that might be the, that might be the darkest red pill is that you realize, oh is it is it all just a loose a loose front? for a military machine and to me that is i think it's probably the most realistic thing that you have. well
2: had. i think yeah. i think the person who had the clearest eyes about that was eisenhower when he coined the phrase military 100%, industrial complex
1: a hundred percent because
2: because it's a it's a he it's 180 it. degree reach around he saw it's it. it's yeah, you know, it's it's the business interest getting their 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 their, their grease from the military and the military getting what they need from the business interests making the shit that they need for their thing, and uh screw the rest of us. Well, I mean, we have we we have the a, a bigger military than what like
1: the next ten nations in the world combined. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, because and it's also I've thought about this a lot. And for what? Well, I've thought about this. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I've thought about this. Well, it's one. It's a standing army. It wasn't that it used to be. You know, you run you ride down with your horse and ring the bell and all the guys, the bank clerks and the cooks and the saloon and the bartender and everyone mm-hmm. picks up the rifle and there's your army. After World War Two we saw that like you can't that you can't doesn't just work. you turn can't turn it on. You have to have a standing army. And then yeah. after World War Two when you have all this mechanized process going on, you gotta have this huge machine. I've thought about it a lot and I tend to think that it, it is an evil thing, but because I try to entertain ideas that I don't agree with I've tried to see the upside of it and the only thing I can conclude, and I don't even know if I fully believe this, but it's the best postulate I can make is that if you ran a simulation of just like Homo sapiens or whatever, just assume up and from like 1500, to, assume that you run a simulation and it always gets to like 1945. Let's just assume that. And all and everything staying in place. I tend to think that you would have this realization that you can't raise this army out of nothingness. So you'd have one nation do it. They would overextend and stay, just like we have bases in Okinawa and Ramstein, Ramstein. We have them in Norway. You have that happen. So it, it what I'm getting at is it almost seems that the military industrial complex is an inevitable result. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just hope it it ends up in the least evil hands. And that's not a good answer, but that's the best, that's the most realistic, not Republican, not Democrat. That's that's the best conclusion I can make is The Generals Have No Clothes by Will Arkin, Base Nation by David Vine. Both authors have been on here. I highly recommend Base Nation. Roger, I think you individually would appreciate it. I think it's, I think it's a thing that comes into existence and it's like, You hope it just ends up with the least least evil nation. Because if we dismantle ours, I think China's going to go, let's follow suit. And if they do, do you think Russia's going to do it? And if Russia follows suit, do you think fucking, I don't know, someone's going to go, everyone's throwing their their guns into the the molten fire. Remember when Europe (laughs) ran the world? That's what I mean. (laughs) It's like it almost seems that like... It almost seems that like Some,
2: someone's going to go, hey, there's an opportunity. Here.
1: <laughs> nature abhors a vacuum, right? And it, but at the same time, it's it's almost, it's almost like an oddly comforting idea that you go, oh, this isn't a, a Democrat Republican Illuminati thing. There's just this machine that saves itself, until, of course, the machine aims back in on its own citizens, and then we're back at square one
2: yeah
1: well and and that's
2: the problem is that you can have you can have what this was considered one of the problems aristotle uh asked about the you know ways that government could be organized of course he thought democracy was the worst form because it would always descend into chaos but uh his uh he thought that the best form of government would be a, a band of philosopher kings who were vetted for their wisdom and knowledge but he acknowledged that Uh, people have finite mortal lives and as power changes hands the temptation will exist for people who are not vetted to try and come in and take the power and he didn't really have an answer as to how to permanently stop that Uh, you know we've had a a strong run we've had our, our shaky spots and our moments of pure evil don't forget while we're uh, side-eyeing the Central Americans for inventing the perilla and the picanha.
1: Uh we're waterboarding people. Hey, hey, it's the USA, baby. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man, we took the most evil ones and we brought them back here because they showed initiative. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's, don't fucking well, forget that. And hey, what happened in South America, it was probably some sort of being dictated by us as well. Let's see if it's be very Yeah, honest. we probably
2: did have a lot to do with it, but the whole... Uh, you know, torture is an art farm thing. So at least when you get waterboarded, you know what's going to happen to you. The you know, when when they're working you over with the picana, you don't know where they're going to touch you with that thing. And uh, yeah, it's that's. I, I mean, it's they, they were literally. This was one of the things that was portrayed in that Argent and uh, that Chilean movie that I told you about. Is that like our guy was one of you know was the best torturer in the facility. Yeah, which is why he was chosen for this particularly enigmatic woman that they thought might be a particularly dangerous dissident Uh, and the punchline of the movie is right before they show them putting her on the death flight is they flash back and show that she set a bomb that did in fact kill one of their leaders in fact he was the guy that ran the black site facility before the current leader so she was a terrorist It almost... Now, she was a terrorist terrorizing terrorists because they were a, a regime running a reign of terror themselves, but she was guilty of doing exactly what they thought she might have been guilty of doing.
1: Yeah. it's. I always think back to, I think it was, like, first grade. Was, I don't even remember what it was for, but I remember we had all these, like, gumdrops, like, toothpicks. Yeah, gumdrops and toothpicks. And you had like, you're you're broken up into groups and it was like you and five other kids and you had like 10 minutes and it was who could devise like a a little structure that could hold the most, you know, they had like little washers, like weights, right? Oh, okay, yeah. So, you know, some people were like, let's do like a perfect square. Other kids, you know, you're taking it you're maybe trying to build like a teepee type thing. And, And it was which one could withhold the most. And I just remember thinking like, make it the most absurd chaotic thing which there is no well way.
2: That, you know that's that's how uh, buckminster fuller fuller who invented the geodesic dome got started thinking along those lines was he did that exercise when he was in school and he was half blind because he didn't have glasses and they hadn't diagnosed his visual condition so he could barely see what he was doing so he put together this shape that was all triangles and it was like way stronger than anyone else's but it didn't look like anything
0: yeah
2: because he, he just he just was feeling how you know just, it fit together just feeling, yeah and 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 everyone was kind of boggling at it and he realized well it's because it's triangles and in a way that set the course for the rest of his life yeah
1: well, yeah, no, it's... and Sorry, I just remember thinking, I was like... Because you had... I think you had, like, an unlimited amount of, like... So, you know, roughly unlimited. You had a little spot to build whatever you wanted to build. And, you know, some kids would try, you know, like, cross ones. And everyone was... And I just remember thinking, like... So I took, like, all of our, like, gumdrops we had. And then I just, like... I kind of skewered them all almost, like, horizontally. Like, almost like you made, like, a pancake out of gumdrops. And I skewered them with, like, toothpicks. And then what I did is I took the rest of the toothpicks... And then just made almost like a vertical column completely thick of the <laughs> toothpicks. And then I took more gumzops and just slammed them on the top. And then I remember I took it and I like twisted it. So it was just this gobbled mess. But we won because yeah. what it was was this thing that every which way it was tugged on, it didn't matter. If you took out one stick, it wasn't Yeah, I kind of think It was, it think was that stable it, in compression. So It kind of seems like that might be that might be like what the current power system is, is, you know, it's very easy to fall into like the, the, the monolith illusion to where the enemy looks like this coherent group. Right. I mean, we now know, you know, just how much internal struggle there was within uh, the third Reich, but you Rob, you don't want to project that you want to project unity. And Mm -hmm. I think if you could somehow go into like God mode and pause reality and just go look at everything you wanted to and every declassified or every classified document and you had an infinite amount of time to just kind of float around the world and read and find every technology. I think that it's probably the US in general. We have this look of like, oh, it's this is the United States. I think it's probably just... A handful, maybe more, maybe like 20 or 30, probably just con- competing like fiefdoms. You would have like a, maybe there's like a Raytheon FBI alliance because both guys know each other and they're watching each other's back because they're just getting better stock dividends. And then maybe you'd have like a, a CIA Walmart. You just have these like unpredictable, you would never expect it. And it's because there's oh. just a couple guys at the top who are like, hey, you watch my back, I got you. You'd have like a Goldman Sachs, NRO type thing, maybe have a Department of Health, a Human. Ser- maybe you have Biden is in deep with the with the the National Geospatial Agency. I think you probably have these fief towards at a distance. It would look like one big yeah. mountain, but as you it's get the closer, Illuminati. No, it's but what I'm saying is it's not that <laughs> at all. Is it from a distance? It maybe looks like one. You know, from a distance. Manhattan will just look like there's a huge rock formation if you had bad eyesight each big like, there's a there's a boulder over there that stretches across the horizon but as you get there you realize it's a ton of individual towers. I think that's probably what the current power system is is you have yeah. just these kind of alliances if few and it almost seems like it's woven into well, like nature that you people
2: don't people don't remember how much internal conflict the United States has had ever since its inception. Yeah. I mean, the ink was barely dry on the Constitution before we had the whiskey rebellion.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: you. you know, it, it's uh, you've you've had constant racial tension because of the whole slavery thing, uh, both before and after the Civil War. You've had tension between the rich and the poor. I mean, you got to remember that. Yeah, you know, I mean, we have very few people left alive who remember the pre World War II years, mm-hmm. and it was not uncommon uh, in the late 19th century for. Uh, industrial business, you know, for business interests to outright kill workers who pissed them off and, you know, tried to organize into unions and stuff like that. There were massacres over labor, over labor disputes. You know, know, we've had labor disputes in the 20th century, but we don't have towns full of dead people because of it. We did in the 19th century. So uh, we don't have regular lynchings anymore at least not in the way that we did in the 19th century uh, or even in some places in the early 20th. You know, there's there's things that were taken for granted for much of the country's history that we would find unbelievable today. And the fact is we're kind of swinging back after a period of unprecedented po- prosperity after World War II, when you had the baby boom years and all. And so a lot of people that is a golden age that they want to return to, and they don't remember that it wasn't such a golden age if you were a woman or a black person, or yeah. Yeah. you know. So, so uh, the you know those you know there 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 were improvements there, and now because of things rolling back in other segments, a lot of it being because rich people are trying to claw back things that they think were taken from them by the labor classes, which leaves the labor classes with less wealth and less prosperity and less prospects. So they become more desperate and you have more crime and you have more unrest. Um, And you've got uh, one thing about rich people is that uh, even a few rich people have pointed out that rich people are not necessarily all that smart. And in, in a lot of cases, they are actually very stupid because they've never had to be smart in order to succeed so uh they think they're a lot smarter than they are which is a very dangerous condition and they think that they are setting up an advantageous situation for themselves when they are actually setting up a situation that will destroy every interest that they have uh just like donald trump spending way more money than the market will ever bear to build a massive monument to his vanity in atlantic city that ended up bankrupting an otherwise viable viable casino empire Yeah, how do you go bankrupt with a casino? Only two people in all of history have managed to do anything quite that stupid in casino land. The other was Steve Wynn. He did it 10 years later, and they did it the same way, overpriced, monuments to their vanity, that they did not do the math to make sure that the markets could possibly support the loans that they were taking out to build them. And they both went bankrupt on scales that were not seen since, you know, it's like, we're talking pyramids here. It's like, you know, uh, but so you've got a lot of the people who are running the world are actually very short-sighted and not very smart. And that that's just, I mean, that's not to gloat or criticize. It's, it's, it's more to go, it's not an optimal situation. But there's a reason that it got set up this way. I mean, let's face it. You know, there's a whole uh, thread uh, with the British royal family about how inbred these people get mm-hmm. because they don't let anybody from outside their little circle of families come in. And so, you, it, this is this is not healthy. That these are the people that we are depending on. To be strong and wise, and to make good decisions for things that are going to affect billions of people, um, the the Chinese had some really. I mean, they're they're going through a phase change right now, and it's hard to see exactly where the far end of it is, but at the moment, they seem to be trying to progress more into a future that is not democratic but is not quite as tyrannical. They've seen the advantage of having a somewhat free market and letting it engage with the rest of the world. Uh, and you know, they have a middle class now. In fact, you know most of their people are living a much higher standard of living than they were in say the 1970s Um, but they're kind of in a internal struggle now asking what they're going to do next and obviously one of the things they're doing next is a space program they've you know they're doing things in in outer space that the russians and we haven't done since the 60s so Where's that gonna go on the other hand they're doing weird ass shit with that too it's like part of it is being driven almost by superstition you know like the Yi thing they they had because there are still personalities at the helm that are not entirely rational or well educated and they have to be placated if they think that they need to have the supernatural talisman on their spaceship then they're going to have the goddamn supernatural talisman on their spaceship the scientists aren't going to credit with any with anything but it's going to be there so that they can point to the powerful person who insisted on it and say see it's on the moon now you may credit it with the fact that the rover worked the the russians have just been basically been steadily uh, steadily losing power because their country's being looted by a bunch of uh, klepto- kleptocrats i mean uh they're, 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 they're on a down, downward slide that the European empire was on in the 19th century and, and pretty much for similar reasons. Um, the EU is barely, barely holding it together, but we're barely holding it together. We have 40% of our population that don't believe in science. In a democratic society,
1: that's not good. You know what might be the most efficient, and I don't mean good and I don't defend it, but just objectively the most efficient in Darwinian terms? I think it's just the backwards shit show that is like rural Middle East. We can't win there. The Soviets couldn't. Alexander mm-hmm. the Great couldn't. It might it's be the where way to, Empires go to die. It might be the way to go, <laughs> is you just moving in the mountains, grow a beard and get an AK. It's been working for a couple millennia. It's you don't have to like it, and I don't mean it doesn't progress anywhere. They don't have a space program. They don't have plumbing. But I mean you want to talk about longevity. You want to talk about a tried and true method. Yeah, well what they have is mountain ranges. And that's, that's what I mean, is it might be you know, That might be the red pill of like, hey, you really want to – if you want a kingdom, then you don't have a kingdom at all. You have a bunch of feudal warlords.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the things that protected the Mongols for so long uh, and in fact allowed them to conquer a bunch of people around them was that their homeland is not suitable for agriculture. It's suitable for animal husbandry, but you have to be nomadic because – the, the land is not fertile enough to, to plant a permanent village and have fields around it. So that turned out to be a strength because there's nothing for anyone else to come in and conquer. But it is fertile enough because of the animal husbandry thing and what you can do by being nomadic to support a robust lifestyle. In fact, they eat better than almost anyone else in the world naturally probably because of that. Um, but the uh, the the thing is, again, you're not going to build a high tech society that way either. So, like you said, they're not going to be launching space missions and shit like that. So, is that worth trading it in for? Um, there's, you know, of course, we had the episode on what made man man, and you know, that was one of the things is that what was good for us as a species in many ways has been terrible for us as individuals. Uh, And in some ways you can argue that one of the things that is good for us as a species is the occasional war uh, because it encourages development and keeps people from getting lazy and settling in. But it's terrible for you as an individual, if the war overruns the place that you live and the stuff that you depend on for your survival. So again, is that a conscious decision that someone wants to make? And, and then you've got the people like Ann Rand come along and go, damn yes, it's a conscious decision we need to make. And it's like,
1: um, evil much? <laughs> yeah, I mean, war is the engine of progress. It, it almost kind of seems like the... It's one of them. It seems that the fact that we do have a limited lifespan almost kind of ensures that there could never be, like, A total like Illuminati like worldwide dictatorship because the amount of time it would take and the allegiances you'd have to make go far beyond the human lifespan by the let's say you inherit a hundred year plan and your grandpa was in on it and your dad was in on it but by the time it gets to me like do I even give a fuck or do I just want my own little dominion do I want my own exactly and I'll I'll side with someone else and next thing you know it's a wrench in the program
2: yeah, that's the problem with holding anything together for generations, uh, yeah. on a global scale. Uh, you, you can you can maybe hold a family together, and even then, you're going to lose members. It's like that's one of the things about. Uh, you know, I just jammed the first few. I, I, I haven't been able to see the last season. It's not on DVD, but the the Netflix original series, The Crown, about the British royal family, and it's striking how. Uh, oppressive their lifestyle you know their life is you know because their obligations and responsibilities are actually very harsh and every once in a while one of them just goes crazy and throws their hands in the air and says fuck it i quit
0: yeah
1: yeah it's because because what do so, I, yeah it's because what do i care right yeah
2: and and the so what do you do about that? I mean, like you can say, well, we're going to make it so that if one of our uh, relatives do that, we'll kill them so that they can't mess up the situation. But you put people in a cauldron like that for enough generations, and you're going to have wear at the edges. You're going to have the defections and the and the people you know who, who can't do the job and, and the people who can't uh, manage the education or who don't uh, have the aptitude. And and one day, things being what they are, you're going to have a perfect storm, just like the one we're having in the United States right now, where our political system is falling apart around us. And, you know, that's going to happen one way or another. The thing that you built is made out of things that mutate. And, you know, the people who built this country were mostly gone by the time of the Civil War. And I I saw an essay very recently that suggested that, uh, again, like you you were saying, that the, the founders probably would have hated the idea of a standing army. And one of the reasons for the Second Amendment bullshit is that they preferred the idea of a loosely knit militia that would come together when it was needed. But they found out in the War of 1812 that that wasn't really a sufficient thing to respond to a foreign aggressor that did have a standing army and professionals who might come and try to take your shit. So we've, you know, and, and there, a lot of the founders were around then. So they got that memo and that's why we had a standing army in 1860 for the, for the civil war. So, uh, you know, and it's why we had a standing army when world war one came, which, was probably not so good because we really didn't need to be involved in that, but it's why we had a standing army in world war II, Uh, and that turned out to be important because even if it's not a large standing army, I mean, the thing is you've got a core of people who are maintaining the discipline and the training and the methods and all that stuff so that you can expand it quickly when you realize you have to, which is exactly what we did after, after Pearl Harbor. So, uh, now it's also a temptation that you do stupid things with like vietnam uh and afghanistan but again that comes down to who is your leaders i mean let's face it uh we ended up back in iraq because george w you know G, you know w had daddy issues and wanted to prove he could finish what his dad did not i mean I don't even have any malice toward him now saying that. It's just, it's obvious that was what happened. I mean, it's naked on its face that this is why we ended up back there. And that means that's why we're still there now, because his daddy did get us out. He recognized that it couldn't be a permanent situation because that part of the world is where empires go to die. So he made sure we had the backing of everybody else and went in with limited goals, accomplished those goals, checked all the boxes and then left. But W surrounded himself with all these people who had these grandiose ambitions that it was going to be a new American century and that we were going to effectively rule the world and that no one would ever challenge us effectively again. And this is how we were going to start it, by taking all the oil. And it just completely fell apart because they were a bunch of morons. And nothing worked out the way that they thought it would. But then... That's always happened. You, you get the, the great wise leader that builds country, that, that, that saves the country, that wins the war, and three generations later, it's a bunch of idiots who, you know, believe too much in strengths that they don't have and start fucking up.
1: Well, oh, that was cheerful, which is why we <laughs> recommend every man, woman and child to be in possession. Of a nuclear 100 warhead, 100 megaton <laughs> thermonuclear warhead. Daddy issues don't matter. Grudges don't matter. Alliances don't matter. Because if everyone's not in a circle singing "Kumbaya," then nobody. It gets will to be, be a, a bright, bright new day. It'll be the brightest day. <laughs> It'll be a bright, bright day. on that note, Roger. They'll see they'll we'll see it up. on Alpha
2: Centauri. They'll
1: see it on they'll mistake it for a supernova because it will be <laughs> glorious and that will be our initiative. Roger, let's wrap this one up because I I'm, I'm dog sitting right now and I got to run back there and um Sure. Well I, don't even, I like I said all of August is fucking up in the air. So I don't even know what tomorrow or not tomorrow next Jesus Christ what next yeah. week's uh, schedule is going to be. Um, I think the next
2: two Sundays we have movies because they're finally coming out with all the movies that they held back when no one could go to the theater. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it, it may it may be uh, it's all then unless you want to do another weekday cast like this one.
1: It might be yeah because I, I don't even I might be out of town next week. I don't even know. Um, yeah, and why you know why go to the movies when you can turn on the news, watch a pandemic, watch BLM riots, or watch <laughs> a bunch of uh, white guys overtake the Capitol? It's better than any Hollywood budget can do. Yeah, you don't have to pay shit. You turn on the TV. Hey, there you go. You can even go see it. And, you can even go see it in person. Fuck it. Hey, fuck 3D. <laughs> you can go there full immersion. I went. You could smell and see and hear and full immersion. You didn't need a yeah. ticket. Nothing. The the, the, the the full realistic
2: experience of getting arrested after...
1: Yeah, F- fuck the IMAX, yeah. Just go right in there. The dome of the IMAX is the dome of the Capitol. Wow, look at this. <laughs> no kingdom can survive. Start a podcast with your friends. Buy some dope merch like Roger has on or like I have on. Mm-hmm. Fucking have a good time, smile and laugh, because nothing matters. You know, they go to the Middle East is where kingdoms die, but the reality is, is we're all fucking dead. Build a podcast, buy some merch, and buy Mopey, or Dale's coming to your house. That's a threat. I'm
2: I'm rather curious as to what Dale thinks of my theory about the uh, Pecana, too. Dale
1: probably invented it. Yeah. Well, it's too late. It's been invented. Dale's got dale got <laughs> Dale's got some pointers for you. He's like, no, that's not how I. That's not how I made it. That's not how to do it anymore. Not yet. You know, Dale can. Dale, Dale's like, oh yeah, you know, I know what room that is. I've been there. <laughs> I fucking know that room. Yeah, no, no door on the inside. Wire. Yeah, no, I was there. Is that suit still upstairs? <laughs> <laughs> fucking Dale knows. <laughs> He's like, yeah, they use it as a cover as a bird-watching place right now. Yeah, no, it's still active, baby. It's still active. Well, that's the fucking, yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter. Nothing matters.
2: Roger. It's the over-under okay. on the number of bodies at the bottom of the
1: cliff. Or built into the concrete foundation. Yeah. Okay. Roger, I got to wrap this right. up. All right, you got to go. All right, Alright, big guy. I'll see you, and uh, God bless, and I'll send you the video when it's up. Recording Stay safe, stopped. everybody. God bless.
0: Peace.